Hello and welcome to the first episode of Out the Frying Pan. Thank you so much for joining me. In this episode I will be discussing my own experience with mental health. So I'll be putting myself out there in a very, very vulnerable state. Um, be sharing with some things that not everybody might know about me, those that do. Um, uh, and obviously through the whole podcast as well, I'll be adding on to extra bits. I'll be be delving into more deeper of certain situations that have happened over the time not not all in one episode but through certain subjects as we go along I'll be adding bits here and there um, so first of all um, just want to reassure everybody that I'm not here to give any kind of medical advice or professional advice um, I'm here genuinely just to share my own experience and the ups and downs that I've had um, and what I've felt that has worked and hasn't worked um, but of course if you do feel that you need medical help do seek that from a professional whether it be through the NHS whether it be through a mental health team even with a mental charity mental health charity like MIND um, it's the Samaritans as well just someone to talk to I would recommend that you do seek professional help if there's, uh, I'm not here to give that. I do want to just reassure you that I'm not here to give any form of professional help. I'm just sharing my own experience. Whereas if it could inspire you to reach out to seek that help or, or just to be reassured that there is somebody out there that understands that you're going through a difficult time, whether it be for a long time or you've only just started having mental health issues, that you're not alone so you don't need to feel that. So without further ado, I'd like to share my experience. Um, so I was first diagnosed with depression at 15. Um, medications that got older, the depression and anxiety, things were different, things got easier, some things didn't get easier, uh, especially with work, relationships, even with money, uh, financial problems. Um, I got myself into a serious amount of debt which became very stressful which didn't help with being depressed and low um, and it did get to the point where at 18 um, I tried to kill myself with a drug overdose um, on paracetamol and ibuprofen um, gone to hospital was asked why I, I did it and explained that I was unhappy um, at that time I'd ended um, I was I came out of a relationship. I was still very emotionally um, young and immature and still didn't stop to think about things. Um, it was a very, very difficult time in my life. Um, the doctors and at that time, there wasn't much support offered at that time. I didn't, I didn't know about things like um, mental health charities or, or iTalk or... Um, that's just one of the um, counselling that's offered in the area that I live there's also steps to well-being around the Dorset area but there may be others where you are but at that time I wasn't aware of anything like this um, even the Samaritans or, or, or counselling or anything like that there was nothing that was offered to me at that time um, because I was just seen as an 18 year old that made a stupid decision um, but it, it was very, very difficult for me to admit that I had a problem. I just, at that time, I felt very, very unhappy. I felt that, 
well, nothing's going right. Um, I, I can't control my, my finances. I was struggling with work and workload. Relationships were breaking down. Um, I was angry at everybody. I was frustrated, fed up. I just did not want to be near anybody. And at that time I thought, well, fine. I just don't want to be here then. Um, suicide itself and mental health everybody's deals with their mental health differently you know for myself i just felt very unhappy and i just didn't want to be here just that was it wanted to end my life there and then no more stress no more strain no more pressures nothing just all gone but a lot of people were telling me that i was selfish and doing that you're going to cause more problems for your family there was never anywhere that I could turn to for real emotional and mental support, especially being a young man. Um, I couldn't tell anybody at work about my problems. I never felt that, you know, going to my manager, because I was afraid that I'd get fired. I was afraid that I wouldn't be denied any promotion um, or any progression because of mental health. And it was a very, very difficult time for me to be able to ask for help. I felt weak and that I wouldn't have been um, good at anything and that people would just look at what was wrong with me first before they actually knew why I was feeling that way. Um, so, yeah, there was a lot of emotions going through my head and I was all over the place. I was just unhappy. I felt... Uh, let down to everybody I was always comparing myself to what others would want me to be so I was comparing myself to somebody that was very popular it was always the, the heart of a social event always made it was always good with their money it was always just punctual there was everything about the person was just what I wanted to be and I wasn't I was never happy with myself or happy with what I had achieved because I thought whatever I achieved was very very minimal and very very low compared to what somebody else was doing whether it be somebody I worked with whether it be my friends whether it be somebody that I you know I, I, I knew and that I just wanted to to be like it was very much one of those being a young man as you know aspiring to be as good as this person or that person um and that can be the case for younger people, is that they're always comparing themselves to people they see as, as idols and, and models to follow, that they just kind of go, I want to be like them, I want to have the kind of car that they're driving, the kind of house they're living in, the kind of lifestyle. And you feel that you have to please everybody else to be like them. And sometimes it was... you know. Back then, I didn't think about that. I didn't think that it was my my attitude towards... I just wanted that. And it was a want, not a necessity. So I very much compared myself to others. And never stopped to appreciate myself for what I'd done, what I'd achieved. Or what I, was, I could have potential of achieving. That in itself was something that I had to come to terms with. And eventually it did. You know, it, it did come later on but th through those years through especially with work an environment of being a chef 
it's very very high pressured you are continually striving to do the best and be the best to give the best dish and the way it's presented and tastes and looks and the the whole process to make it the best out of everybody and when you're told it's good it feels fantastic but when you're in an environment where you're continually to be put down and you know like watching chefs on tv like gordon ramsay you think that that's how it's going to be and sometimes in some kitchens it is very much like that but it's not always like that but when you're of years of being told well, you could do better or you know you could have done it differently when you're given a compliment it's like a rabbit in the headlights you're like what the hell am i going to do with this you've just complimented me why what do you want um so as life went on and i started to progress in my career and i kept putting off wanting to talk about mental health and I just buried it down and buried it down and just got on with things. Um, I'd uh, eventually got to a point in my life where things were sort of getting better and I met Rachel, my wife, and we got married in 2014. We married for six years this year. Um, I never shared with her about my mental health um, because I felt very ashamed of it. I felt very... um, embarrassed by it I guess as a way as a man it's probably why I never really seeked any help um and I had medication on and off but I didn't like taking medication because of overtaking uh, taking a drug overdose with with tablets it's it I find taking medication very difficult not because I feel I'm going to do it again I just because of the amount of tablets I took I just don't like taking tablets almost like a gag reflex I just don't like taking tablets unless I desperately have to I mean I'm on a medication now which is working fantastic and anything else if I've got a headache or hay fever which has been really bad at the moment um, it's the only time I really take medication but digressed um, so yeah when I met my wife Rachel um, before we got married didn't discuss about mental health or mental well-being we just talked about work and what we did and we got chatting um we would talk about sort of specials were on or you know how busy it was etc etc um it probably wasn't until i'd say about the second maybe third year that we were married that things for me started falling apart emotionally um and I was struggling with with you know keeping a, a job um, finances were really bad um, I'd, be, I'd put off bills I'd rather go and spend money on things I didn't need um, I, I guess as well there was a lot of like, job hopping you know I couldn't stay in one job for more than say six months to a year um, I was changing it from you know, working part-time to full-time, to working in restaurants, to working for an agency, to working in a pub, to working in a hotel. It was just all over the place. And I was afraid and ashamed because I didn't want to be seen as a weak husband or, or man. 
and you know that I was going to fix it and I didn't need anybody's help and that was it I was just going to fix it and get on with it and that was it um unfortunately um it must have been about probably within our th third fourth year of uh, third year of being married not quite the fourth around that time um our daughter was born genevieve um and we were we were told um that we were going to need some help with you know fertility treatment and um you know that was a, a big you know stress as well for both of us uh, not just myself um we were about to have a big big change in our lives um and i was excited because i've always wanted to be a dad and i always wanted to have a family uh, and when we were going through the treatment and the doctor said you know the, the treatment you've got to remember it's not going to work first time so do be prepared for that and we were we set ourselves up so that we wouldn't get all excited and then it not work um but what i didn't do was i didn't prepare myself for it to happen first time either and that was a big big shock for me and um, she was born in in end of May, um, and in the August, after a few months of being a, a dad, um, I just had one of these moments where I'd, I'd stopped, I'd finished work, I got in the car, uh, I'd gone to the supermarket, I'd bought beer, I bought paracetamol in the same transaction. Um, and I just drove out to somewhere and I just thought, right, well, that's, that's it. I'm, I'm going to do it. You know, I, I just, I just felt very, very vulnerable. We were, we were arguing. There was a lot of financial difficulty. Debts were really, really getting bad. And I was so unhappy. And it was just at that moment, I thought, I'm, I'm not going to be a good father. I'm not going to be a good husband they need somebody in their lives that's going to look after them and at that moment he thought well, I couldn't even look after myself you know I'd become you know scruffy just didn't care about my appearance I didn't care you know you know about anything or relationships I became very bitter very resentful and people were very cautious of me from from what I would get people would be very very cautious over the years of you know from like 18 onwards i was very um i'd say snappy and quite bite you know verbally bitey towards people and i very much gave my opinion what i thought and i didn't care if people liked it or not i'm still like it now but not as not as much i hope um but yeah there was just at that moment i just did not just did not want to be alive um so i'd i'd, I'd driven out to um sort of quite a rural area from where we live parked up the car sat there for a few minutes um and i just opened up the beer and opened up the packet of paracetamol and that was it just tried to do it again um this time um i did a stupid thing of of driving all the way home 
um, having a massive argument with my wife and eventually it was just a case of what I did and she'd rung 111 and obviously told us to go to the hospital and had done that and got checked and checked in and waited and um, doctor had spoken to me um, and I just broke down um, and yeah and eventually later on in that middle of the night um, somebody from the mental health team in, you know, in one of the hospitals um, uh, had come and spoke to me and just just chatted wanted to know how I was feeling and sort of just asked me some really interesting questions like you know do you get frustrated when things aren't in your control and I was like yes if, if I'm not able to control the situation for me it's very very frustrating and I get angry and agitated and I get annoyed if things don't go a particular way I get annoyed if it's not how I want it done to exactly how I want it done um, but people say we can always be like that but this was very much it had to be down to the T of how it had to be done and if it wasn't I would just I'd, I'd throw it all out and start again because it had to be exact um, which became very frustrating for my wife and, and people around me that you know I would overreact over something really small um, and then him sort of explaining to me that a lot of these were signs of mental health and issues and that I'd had a, I had a nervous breakdown and at first I didn't want to accept it but as he was explaining the symptoms and talking to me about the behaviour and what happens is that, you know, I'd, I'd had a breakdown and I'd had a problem with mental health. And I knew that beforehand, when I was 18, and I, I knew it then, I just switched off for years and it creaked back up again. And it was the, that was the importance of, you know, okay, we can all deal with it our own way, but I it was it was dangerous mentally and emotionally to bury it because you know if I hadn't seeked the help that I was just longing for back then you know I wouldn't be here today I wouldn't be here to to, to see my beautiful little girl grow up to see the wonderful woman that my wife is and she's becoming even now, I'm not going to say how old she is, but for the years that we've known each other, and the, the wonderful mum that she's becoming, and lady, you know, the, the lovely lady that she's being as well, um, I wouldn't see that. I wouldn't see my family, um, you know, go through things. I wouldn't be able to um, see my friends and get married or see them have their children and see them succeed at things there are happy things that you can that I can see but I was blind to it because I at that moment I was selfish and I didn't care I just needed to fix my brain or at least repair it um, um, but I just felt that why would it take a second attempt of suicide for a mental health nurse or the mental health team to get involved and that's the one thing that I want to bring to people's attention is that after the first time or even beforehand you know we need to get more people 
to be aware of mental health not necessarily maybe reach out because not everybody can do that and I understand that some people don't feel that they're confident enough or they don't want to share their story because it's very personal to them you know of course as I haven't gone into explicit details I've just put it as a broad spectrum but as I say over the next few episodes of the podcast I will you know perhaps maybe dive into a little bit little bit more information on certain subjects that I've experienced through perhaps finances and relationships and and work and and having to deal with that um but right now I just I want to make people aware that I'm an advocate for mental health and I want to make this stigma around mental health and in the workplace you know that we shouldn't be afraid to speak up we shouldn't be afraid to be supportive of those that may not necessarily have a mental health because not all of us are experts in this you know you can't see mental health you can see a broken arm but you can't see mental health there may be traits that people have that may make you think that they're having a, a tough time and they're stressed and they're needing support but that's where we need to be perhaps careful in our approach of how to speak to people about it. I know from my own experience, you know, you can't just go up to somebody and go, well, I think you suffer with mental health. It's going to get you a smack in the face and you're probably going to get in a lot of trouble just to say that to a colleague or say that to somebody. It's, and it wouldn't be nice or respectful. There is definitely more that needs to be done to make mental health aware within the workplace, whether it be in the catering industry, whether it be in the care industry, whether it be in retail, whether it be in being self-employed, working from home. There's everybody in every aspect that in some time or place or in some time or another, they're going to experience not necessarily themselves, but maybe with their family or with their colleagues, mental health issues or anxiety. And most definitely, we need to be aware of the support that we ourselves can give as friends and as family, as as managers, as as bosses, as companies, that there is stuff out there, but people, in my opinion, can feel that, that they don't want to because they don't want to seem they're interfering in something that's very personal to people that's where there's there's these courses available whether it be through online certificates whether it be through um mental well-being people that can just give practical advice or whether it's a listening ear and all done in confidence whether there be things that you can do practically to help with your staff members and your family and friends to to give practical help and advice that we can all give to people um whether it be through exercise which of course is something through searching on on google as i say if i I do this right now i'm at the computer so if i was to look for um let's see advice for mental health and first things people also ask how can you improve your mental health and here there's 
just a few uh, tell some but tell yourself something positive write down something you're grateful for focus on one thing in the moment exercise eat a good meal open up to somebody do something for someone else take a break there's little suggestions there, and that's just off the internet so there are things that we can do in our own research and perhaps put things together around the workplace to allow regular rest breaks you know being able to go outside for for their break if they you know they're able to if you work in an office you know i, I mean i've done work in in buildings in in, in canteens in, in in the catering industry i've worked in all sorts of places that sometimes when you're in an office building that you like you know the kitchen's like seven floors up whatever or you know you're you're tucked out somewhere where there might not be any windows being able to get out for 15 minutes of some fresh air and go for a walk has helped me it most certainly has and there's little things that I've done over the years that people have suggested to me and I've gone oh no I don't really want to do that when they're like I'll go for a walk and I'm like oh, I don't want to go for a walk or I don't want to do anything and there's things that you know having a good meal you know for me it's a case of I've got to be careful not to overeat on on junk food yes it's nice to have a you know nice lovely chocolate cake or chocolate biscuit and being a chef you know I love baking so you know lemon drizzle cake chocolate brownie crumbles you know anything sweet I love but when you're continuously having those things that they're not good for you that I know but doing little bits at a time for my own personal experience I wanted to do everything all at once so I could be good at good at it and I could you know prove to people that I'm okay and I'm fine and I don't I don't need people worrying about me and I was always trying to hide it that I didn't need to do any of this and I was wrong I needed that support and help but I had to remember to do a little bit at a time you know I was always quick to be doing everything all at once just to prove to everybody that I'm fine I'm okay I can cope and then it would last so long and then it would just all fall around it would all fall down around me it would all fall apart and I would just be like yeah I can't do it but instead of trying to pick up one bit at a time I would try and pick up everything all at once and then it would all fall down again and then I'd just continue doing that until I get frustrated and go I can't do this and that's where I had to change my approach where I wanted to do everything all at once but it wasn't practical it wasn't good to do that so I had to look at what was what was it that I needed not what I wanted but what was it that I needed so I looked at my necessities and then I did it one at a time and sometimes in life it can very much feel like a balancing act you know it can feel like you're walking along a tightrope and you're balancing you know 100 plates on either arm and you're trying to keep them spinning you know in my mental picture it's a case if you're walking a tightrope and you've got one of those you know you're balancing all the plates on, on those on those sticks and you've got loads either side and you're trying to keep all those things balanced as you're going along and you're just looking forward and sometimes it can feel like that you just you know you feel that it's impossible and sometimes you just have to slow down and and be able to stop and think okay I don't need to balance 
all of these plates. I just need to balance, you know, what's necessities, not just wants. And sometimes it takes time. I mean, it's taken me. I mean, I'm. It started at 18. I'm now 27. I'm 28 this year. It's taken a long time for me to be able to accept my my own mental health and the issues that I have. It's then taken me time to get the right help with medication and with with talking and CBT talk therapy with um, looking at my priorities and my necessities of what's what I need looking at career you know finances and just being able to rebalance things and put a different perspective on things you know going back 10 years ago I'd never never have thought I'd be sharing my story with people out there who may be in a very similar situation you may be in a worse situation or not as worse but mental health is mental health and no matter what your experience is you're not alone you're not on your own and asking for help does not make you any less of a person it doesn't make you weak asking for help is a sign of maturity is knowing that we can't do that by ourselves you know you, you wouldn't go and lift the box that was you know too heavy and go no i'm fine i'm fine you'd end up causing yourself quite serious injury so sometimes asking for help with you know to put it in a in that sort of perspective you know in in, in that um example you know heavy box you wouldn't lift on your own you'd get somebody to help you um you know they don't need to know what's in the box you know, they just you just need some support with lifting it and maybe moving it somewhere. And sometimes that's how I have to stop and look at it. I don't have to tell the person everything, but I can just, you know, inform them, you know, I'm not having a good day today. I might be, you know, a bit switched off or I might not be as, a, as observant. So don't take it personally. I'm just, you know, not having a good day. And that's okay. It doesn't make you any less of a person to say I'm having a, a bad day. Sometimes those bad days can lead up to a couple and, you know, we we deal with it however we want. I know for me it's a case of, you know, I have to get that support in, I, I have to tell my support network of who I, who I use to say, I'm not having a good day, it might be one day, it might be two, it might be a week, but I inform the person that I'm not in a good place. So don't be alarmed if, you know, I'm seeing more quiet than usual, less interactive with things or, you know, less observant towards something. It's just at the moment, I'm, as, as a term that I use, I'm, I'm full. I'm emotionally full. So sometimes I have to go, I'm full. I can't do any more. I'm really sorry. I need to go and decompress and switch off. And sometimes we do need to do that. And... You don't have to explain the reasons why. You could just use that terminology. You know, I'm 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 full. I need to digest everything. And sometimes for me, that can take a couple of days. You know, especially when there's lots going on, and well, you know, with this whole thing with the the COVID nineteen. Oh my goodness me! It was you know, people out there that got social anxiety that find it difficult going out now. Is you know, find it difficult going out. And find it difficult going 
you know, within crowds, this is probably absolutely excruciating for you. And I feel for you, all those people out there that are really struggling, I I understand. There may be those that may be struggling worse than me, but I understand. It is so difficult to be able to, you know, think positive when there's all this going on because we don't know if there's going to be any normality coming back. We just don't know if things are going to get back to normal. And I completely understand that. I really, really do. But I just want people to to know that you're not alone. And I may repeat myself, and you may think I'm rambling, but this is me just, just talking, you know, sharing my experience. That I want, I want you to understand that it's okay. And that I was at that time in my life where I felt very alone and that nobody understood and you know I'm not going to ask for help because I'm a man I don't talk about my feelings and it's that whole stereotype and stigma around men don't talk about their feelings in my own opinion it you know we shouldn't think like that because sometimes when we need help you know, it doesn't have to always be the same help for the same person. As I say, we deal with our mental health differently. We may get our solutions and our support differently. And that's something that we've got to remember is that what works for you may not work for me and vice versa. Um, I think for myself over the years, being able to admit that I had the problem was very difficult the medication and the other things I found very difficult was explaining it to my work and that was yeah that was the biggest thing for me because I felt that being in a position as head chef kitchen manager that you know I was an example to my team and I wanted them to know that you know I could still take control I didn't want them to lose faith in me I didn't want them to lose any hope in leading them training them and helping them I felt so ashamed of my mental health even though I was getting medication and I was taking that regularly and I was taking time out to be able to say that I'm full and I need to decompress and I need to be able to to concentrate and focus on what's important the one thing that I needed that I didn't think I would get would be the support from the company I worked for or my manager because I didn't want the manager or the company to turn around and go well you know you suffer with that I don't think you're going to be well enough suited for this job obviously now that you know they can't do that because it's against the law it's discrimination against um, the disability act um it's you know you can't see all disabilities but if you have a disability that is going to be ongoing and that could progressively get worse it's classed as a disability um but yeah i was so afraid that if i said to my boss hey look, i need to make you aware that i'm you know i suffer with some mental health issues but i'm on medication i was afraid that i was going to get sacked and sometimes that that's where that self um you know not having much self confidence in in my own ability to prove that I can do the job um you know would come in and I was just so afraid of saying anything um 
but it's slowly now with some companies they'll have well-being um support through um an through EAP which is an employee assist program where they'll have something in place for um you know support with things like you know finances um mental health substance family um they just give a support network and they just help give practical advice um and then there's charities like mind there's counseling like uh, i talk and steps to well-being in the areas from where i am and uh, there may be something else where you are but there are things about that are starting to come out to help not just the individual but the companies as well to make more you know mental health and well-being more important in the workplace which i think is fantastic but we also need to put ourselves you know we need to use that stuff use that information we need to be able to use the resources that we are given whether we're managers or employees so that we can be of a support network because the NHS right now is at a massive strain they are doing so much within this virus and outbreak that's going on with covid-19 they are absolutely amazing and for me with all support network by if it means being able to be a listening ear to people and you know being able to give some kind of inspiration for them to understand that it's okay to reach out that by going to these other organizations whether they be charity based whether they be um internet researched or self-help videos or things that you find to allow a bit of strain off the NHS is also good but of course it's not going to be a solution to the problem permanently but it may help along the way to help find the right um solution it may not be a cure but it may help with whether we talk therapy whether it be through group therapy or one on one therapy or whether it be through exercise and a good routine whatever it may be to help i think it's fantastic that there are these that they are starting to put these mental health and well-being um into place um some people may feel that there's not enough being done and some people think that it's you know fantastic but why wasn't this years ago and that comes back to that stigma that stigma of mental health that there was that we didn't talk about it you know it wasn't talked about it was hush and you know it was a case of you just sucked it up and you got on with it and you didn't talk about it um and that's quite sad whether it be through amongst men women mothers fathers you know sons daughters whatever whoever it may be that mental health should not be shunned because it's is one of the biggest issues right now f- for me as personally as a man that there is a stigma mainly towards men that you know oh you don't talk about your feelings well i feel that that's wrong and when i was 18 that was very much the the stigma and it caused more damage than it did help for me personally
And when I reached out and I started getting all the help and support I needed, I felt better. I felt relieved that I was being listened to and that I just wanted some practical help. And it's been fantastic that I've got that from either through my own research or through the advice of NHS or doctors, the medication that I'm on, and just being able to enjoy time with my family. You know, my work life very much changed and I was able to step back and be able to enjoy time with my family. And now with this whole virus on COVID-19, it's made me stop and realise that what makes me really happy is being able to see my daughter grow and become a beautiful, lovely little girl that she is, spending time with my wife and seeing out there by supporting people as best I can, whether it's making cakes and food for the neighbours, whether it's helping friends and family, you know, having a, you know, a weekly chat with the family on Zoom and having a catch up, which is something we never used to do. Little things like that are so nice and so wonderful to be able to enjoy that. And now I want to start making that part of my routine. And, you know, it's almost like it takes something serious for any sort of actions to happen. And that's quite sad in a way, but, you know, it has to take something drastic for for a change to happen for the good. And... And that can, and for some people that can be really damaging. That is, you've got to wait to a certain point before you do something. Now, of course, as I said, things take time, and don't ever feel you should be pressured in, into, you know, talking about your mental health, your anxiety, depression, you know, because it's it's not going to work for everybody. As I say, what works for me isn't going to work for you, and what works for you isn't going to work for me, vice versa. So just want people to be aware out there that you know I'm shared my story with people to perhaps give some inspiration to let them know that they're not alone that it's okay to talk about mental health it's okay to have a bad day it's okay to feel sad and it's okay that you're not the only one it's okay to be having these feelings because I had them too it's a case of this it's a case of how we approach the 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 help and the support and that's something that was very difficult for me when I first as I said when I first started um, getting the help when I first got the help and you few years ago it was fantastic I just didn't get that help when I was 18 or there wasn't much awareness for it at that age it was very much a case of oh well there's this the Samaritans you can talk to and or there's um medication you know back then I didn't really I didn't ask about it and not information was given to me so I'm sure there was 10 years ago, but I wasn't aware of any of it. And, and it's completely different now, as it was back then, and to, has it, to how it was back, say, 20, 30 years ago. The, the whole stigma around mental health is different depending on your age and your gender. 
and that is quite that's sad that people still feel that society puts you automatically if you're a man you are expected to do this 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 and this because society tells you to and if you're a woman you're expected to do this 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 and this and be and say all of this because you're a woman and that's how sometimes people still are and no we we we're not like that anymore we're equal so regardless of whether you're a man woman or what gender you identify yourself as just understand that mental health will never go away and we do need the support whether it be through our own research and our own finding of support what works for us or whether it be through NHS whether it be through mind whether it be through journaling whether it be through exercise diet routines helping other people whatever it may be there are things out there that's designed for people but we do need in my opinion we need to get it out there more to know that there is the support and as I say I'm no professional I'm no medical expert I'm just sharing with you my experience of my own mental health the whole start of when it started to how I felt to now what's being done and you know I am feeling good about sharing my story at first I was really really nervous and I've probably rambled on and you know it might seem a bit all over the place but you know as as I go along with the podcast you know the next the next podcast episode is going to be an interview with a nursing home manager and his experience in the care industry in the care sector and to where he's got and I've got some questions for him and the next one is, a, is the deputy manager of the same home and I'm going to be asking her the questions and talking to the nurses as well so I'm really looking forward to doing that episode because I'm wanting to get that whole perspective of people that are in the care sector that will be on on the front line of mental health whether it be through colleagues patients you know how mental health was dealt with when you're training as a nurse say over 30 years ago and how different it is to now and it's it's something that's going to be really interesting that I want to I want to bring to people's attention not just for myself but also to, to, to you know others out there that they can listen to it as well so you know I'm really excited about this and I really really hope you are too I want to say thank you very much for sticking it out this far I know I've probably been rambling on and you know I really really hope that you do stick around um, for the next episode I appreciate you so much for joining me and listening to my story. If there's those listening out there that do know me and not have heard my story or heard some of it but not all of it, you know, I appreciate that you're, you know, taking the time to listen to this. Um, but uh, you know, I, I'm so grateful to the support and help that I've had from everybody, through my family, my friends, the people that I've worked with, the companies I've worked with. Um, I can't thank you guys enough. I also want to do a shout out to um, the Burnt Chef Project um, on Instagram. Um, and they sort of really, you know, got me inspired into doing this. And also through Chef Social um, UK on Facebook and Instagram, speaking to um, 
Alex on there. He's been absolutely fantastic with sort of helping me as well to to get out there and get the information and get my voice out there. Um, so if anybody that's here that listens to them or follows them, you know, give them a mention and say, you know, support them and support what they're doing. Burnt Chef Project is absolutely fantastic. You know, they're, again, trying to help get rid of this stigma that's around mental health. Um, you know, so let's, you know, let's help push this um, campaign that mental health is, needs to be brought to people's attention in the catering industry as well. Um, not just mental health as a whole, but as the catering industry and with chefs. You know, I've I've got some interviews lined up with some chefs that have got some stories, and um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. There's going to be some good things coming in this podcast. Um, but I've got a big thank you to everybody out there that has been supporting me through doing this. It feels so weird, um, you know, talking to myself. It feels like I'm talking to myself, but I'm talking to you guys and girls out there. Um, but I just want to say thank you. Thank you ever so much for joining me on this podcast. Thank you ever so much for taking the time out of your busy day. And I'm sure, you know, with this whole COVID-19 going on, when some normality comes back to life, I'm still going to continue to do this. Um, please do follow me on Instagram, um, it's out the frying pan uh, and Twitter as well um, at uh, the frying pan um, I will be doing some vlog casts as well at a later date um, but that's going to be sort of I've got I've got a project in place for that as well um, but do do stay tuned and do uh, do keep up with um, with the podcast I really do appreciate it but until next time guys stay safe look after yourselves and positive mental attitude Take care now. Bye-bye.